We're wrapping up this series today, but if you've missed any of the messages, you can find them on our website or also on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, I'll give you a quick overview that will sort of set us up for our time together today as well. Uh, we've been talking about a grown-up look at the Bible and looking at sort of the overarching story of the Bible beyond just individual Bible stories. Because part of the reason that we read the Bible is to tell us who God is, what God has done, who we are, and what we are to do. And the center of that is Jesus, which is who the first half is pointing to and really who the second half is all about. And also in this series, we're finding some of the tips for how to understand the Bible because we believe that, that God can use it to transform our lives. And that transformation comes through more than just reading. And so last week we shared a four-step process to read, study, and better understand the Bible. Step number one being grasp the text in their town. Answering the question, what did the text mean to the biblical audience? And then step two, measure the width of the river of differences. Like what are the differences between the biblical audience and us today? And then step number three, cross the principal bridge. What is the theological principle in this text? And then step number four, grasp the text in our town. How should Christians today apply the theological principle? And so our main point from last week that will sort of continue into this week, the Bible can be understood and lived out through careful study and an open heart. And so we'll focus our time together today on the second part of that first phrase, lived out, and take it a little bit step further, uh, while also talking about the negative side of this, that when Christians don't do that, what we're going to talk about today, that can actually drive people away from church and from Christianity. And in this series, we've talked a lot about the story of the Bible, what the Bible is, and how to read the Bible as grown-ups. But our last idea in this series is the thing that I really don't want you to miss. The Bible is a mirror that reflects who we are and who we could become. For many of us, we would love nothing more than a transformed life. In fact, every day, people and companies are trying to sell us pathways to transformation through this weight loss program or through this new tech product, uh, jump on this dating app and finally find the one. And there are many ways we are sold transformation each and every day. And the problem is all of those transformational pitches uh, really won't lead to the lasting eternal change that our hearts are longing for. Because the Bible points you to Jesus who offers you something nothing, nothing or no one else can offer you a connection with God, a purpose in life, an answer to the questions, who am I and what am I here to do? And so whether you are looking for hope because over the last year or two or 10, you find yourself falling into despair, anxiety, worry, or something else, or whether you already have hope, James, the brother of Jesus, reminds all of us about something that leads to transformation and it includes our responsibility. We're gonna start reading in James chapter one. You can follow along in the Bible app if you don't have the Bible app head to bible.com slash app. Once you're in the app, head to the more menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have all the notes and verses on the screen as well. So James chapter one, beginning in verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word or the Bible. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. So that listen to God's word or the Bible, James is basically saying this because when James wrote this, there was really no the Bible uh, for people to read. People didn't have personal copies of the scriptures at their fingertips. And so in James's time, the only way his audience would have learned what the scriptures were teaching was almost exclusively by listening to someone else read them. 
and they would go to homes or what we might consider life groups or, or churches around the area. And if they were Jewish, they were accustomed to going to the temple or the synagogue to hear the scriptures read. Uh, they were accustomed to sort of sitting in some sort of environment and listening to someone teach the scriptures. Uh, today, we could replace listen with read because we do have personal copies of the scriptures that we can read for ourselves. And the point being this, don't fool yourself into thinking that if you just have heard or read the Bible, that it's going to make any difference. If you think hearing it, listening to it, reading it makes any difference, then you're actually fooling yourself. And there's something in us that sort of thinks that, that since I was in the room, or I'm a better person by proximity only. Uh, since I watched church online, I'm a better person. Since I showed up for the life group, I'm a better person. Since I listened to the message two Sundays in a row, I'm a better person. And that's at least partially true that it is good to gather or watch on Sunday, and it's good to show up in a life group during the week. But James says don't allow that habit of reading, hearing, or listening to deceive you. Because reading and hearing doesn't get the job done. Uh, what makes the difference? Well, James says, I'm so glad you asked. You must do what it says, James says. It's not enough to read, hear, or even feel convicted and guilty. And for some of us, there's something in us that, that when we are gathered like this, and someone like me says something convicting, and you're like, oh yeah, right, like that is right. Uh, that, that is a sort of a religious experience, it seems for us. And in fact, some of you right now, and even me in various seasons of my life, for some of us, the point of gathering on Sunday is sort of feel bad about ourselves because that sort of feels like a religious experience we've connected with God. And since I felt bad about myself in church today, well, I get credit with God, so I'll see you next week, right? And James says the goal isn't about feeling bad about yourself. The goal isn't just hearing something. The goal isn't to know I ought to do or I should do something and someday I will do something. James says the goal is to do something with what you've heard. And then he gives us an incredibly helpful illustration, verse 23. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, that anyone who listens to the word of God, the Bible, but doesn't do what it says, he says, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Now, to read or to listen to scripture being taught is sort of like getting up in the morning, uh, looking in the mirror, thinking, that's horrible, uh, getting dressed, going to school, going to work, going to coffee, going on that date without doing anything about what you saw in the mirror, uh, basically forgetting what you saw in the mirror. And when we look in the mirror, we are reminded that something needs to be done, right? If you look into or you hear the scripture and don't do anything with that, it's basically like seeing something but not doing something about what you saw. None of us would do that, right? Now, some of you may forget to look in the mirror in the morning in the first place, like I'm thinking about middle school or maybe high school boys, uh, we're sort of thinking about you. But, but even as a student pastor, I, I would see the middle school and high school boys at camp, they, they would sort of quickly glance in the mirror and at least pat some water on their hair and, and maybe spray some Axe on themselves. That when you see something, you do something because a mirror requires a response. In fact, some of you view your spouse or your friend as a mirror, and that one time that you had asparagus stuck in your teeth or mayonnaise on your lip, and they didn't tell you, or they didn't do anything about it, and let you walk around like that, you got mad at them, right? Because a mirror requires a response. And most of us stand in front of a mirror in the morning until it, whatever it is, until it gets better. And some of you thought that it was better, and then you took one last glance out as you went out the door, but then you realized it is not quite better enough, uh, which made you late for school, late for work, late for an appointment, late for coffee, because it wasn't quite enough 
it wasn't quite better enough. Now that you changed something, you scrubbed something again, you put something over it, uh, you put a hat on and just declared this is a hat day, right? A mirror requires a response. And here's the interesting thing that really for all of us, and this is not just a Christian thing, but really it's just a people thing, that getting your hair right has far less to do with the direction and the quality of your life than getting your behavior right. That getting your makeup right, uh, clothes right, uh, what you have on, those can all be important, but they have far less to do with the direction and quality of your life than getting your behavior right. And let's be honest, on the night, the day, the week, the weekend that you created your greatest regret, it's quite possible that you looked good, you looked fine. And that might have even been part of the problem. You looked too good and you saw somebody else that looked too good or something that looked too good and you created a regret in your life. Because when you got ready that day, you did look in the mirror. Uh, maybe you saw something on the mirror that required a response and you responded to that. Yet you made a decision or a series of decisions that you knew you shouldn't make, which is the equivalent of looking in the mirror. I know what I should do, but I'm just not going to do it. And the problem is, though, that we sort of deceive ourselves when it comes to our behavior. We think we sort of get credit for feeling guilty or just sort of looking in the mirror. However, no one gets credit for just looking in the mirror. In other words, if you get ready tomorrow and you look in the mirror and think, wow, that looks bad, and then you just sort of go to work or log into that Zoom meeting, your boss might tell you that there's no way you're going to talk to that client looking like that. Uh, you might say to your boss, well, but I looked in the mirror and your boss will look at you like you're crazy because no one gets credit for just looking in the mirror. That if you get ready for a date or for a dance and, and look in the mirror and think, wow, that's like really bad. Like what was I even doing while I was sleeping last night? Or you get dressed up for the dance or the date and when your date somehow politely asks, assuming they don't just post a picture of you on social media, hashtag mirror, assuming they actually do ask you like, what is up with your look? If you told them, well, well I looked in the mirror, they will definitely not say, well, oh great, I'm so glad you just looked in the mirror. That no one gets credit for looking in the mirror. And in the realm of our personal behavior, we think we get credit for acknowledging our problems. And James asks us, like, what are you going to do? And if your answer is, well, nothing, James says, if that's your pattern, if that's your response, you're only fooling yourselves. However, James also says in verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says. Now the idea here in the Greek is, is more like how my kids used to look at things as we were walking along when they were little. Uh, when we would walk along and, and my kids would notice something, they literally would stop, crouch down, and look intently at that thing. It might have been a bug on the ground, a, an interesting plant, a cute flower that they wanted to give their mama, uh, something that they were unsure what it was. Maybe a wad of gum, a piece of trash, whatever that thing was. They used to look at that thing until they figured out what it was, and sometimes that was way longer than we wanted them to. This wasn't a quick glance, but a stop and a stare kind of situation. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and this is another reference and a, really a clarification that we aren't bound by the 613 laws in the Old Testament. Rather, Jesus came to fulfill and simplify those laws into one. Love others as I have loved you. And James says that when you do that, and when I do that, we will experience freedom. But James makes an important point that we might miss. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. 
This isn't just memorizing it. This isn't just listening to the podcast or watching church online. This isn't just realizing that you should do something different and feeling guilty about it. None of that offers freedom. Doing what it says makes the difference. That the Bible is a mirror that can lead to transformation, but it requires a response. And so that's what James, the brother of Jesus, said about how the Bible, God's word, can transform our lives. Now, Paul also talked about something that connects this idea to one of the goals of our church. Because we center a lot of what we do as a church around teaching the Bible on Sundays, which can be seen as just information. Particularly during this pandemic, it sort of was said that church has sort of been reduced to a TED Talk and a concert. Now, if church is just about sort of downloading spiritual information, then we are missing the powerful aspect of gathering together. And we're missing one of our goals as a church. And so if you think the primary goal of scripture is to know and to retain more information, that isn't worth the work of actually understanding the scripture. But Paul leads us to something much bigger and much better. And he starts off by saying this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have disregarded everything else, counted it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Now, I won't spend much time describing what Paul meant by garbage, but let's just say that most of us would consider it the disgusting type of garbage. But Paul is getting to sort of our goal for Sunday gatherings. He's also getting to the goal of reading and understanding the scriptures. In verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Like, who needs a resurrection? And yes, that could be a resurrection to eternal life with God. That's probably what Paul's talking about. But maybe you need a resurrection of some sort of good habits that stopped with COVID. Uh, maybe you need a resurrection of some opportunities to be around others and serve others. Maybe you need a resurrection in your finances or with your career. Maybe you need a resurrection with a relationship with your children, your parents, your friends. Maybe some of you need a resurrection of your faith given all the circumstances of brokenness in our world, or maybe given the questions that you have for God. And Paul, again, probably literally meant a resurrection of Jesus' followers to eternal life with God. But this also points to the purpose of our gatherings and reading the Bible, to know Jesus and experience God, and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And this invitation for the Bible for grown-ups is not just so you will understand the rules better. This invitation for the Bible for grown-ups is so that you would understand and experience the story of a God who loves you, to understand the story of Jesus, who he was, how he lived, what he taught, and who he calls you to be, but also to experience God in your life. And the Bible is an opportunity to know Jesus and experience God. That God would prefer that we experience him rather than memorizing all of the scripture without knowing or experiencing him. And the Bible is a mirror that can lead to transformation in our lives, but it requires a response. The Bible requires us to, to actually do something with what we see about who God is who we see we are, what we see that God did, and what we are supposed to do because of all that. And when we respond to that, God does something amazing that many of us have experienced and can be described by many different ways, and also sometimes by even other people describing what they've seen happen in us, and it can be described as transformation. But it likely won't happen without us doing 
something. Because unfortunately, many of us have met people who have lots of Bible knowledge, but they're angry, they're bitter, they're gossipy people. And you wonder what is wrong with the picture, right? And the answer is that more information, more knowledge isn't enough. Doing something with the knowledge is what makes the difference. And thankfully, God wants that for us because when we do what the Bible says, we can avoid seasons of regret. When we do what the Bible says, we can live the way God intended for us to live. And when we do what the Bible says, we can start to see our anger decrease, our, our bitterness dissolve, and we can start to look more like Jesus. That when we do what the Bible says, we can experience God and his resurrection power. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the scriptures. Thank you for all of the work that went into preserving these documents from thousands of years ago, and we still have them. God, thank you so much. Thank you for all the people that would give their lives so that we could read about these experiences, so that we could experience God for ourselves, so we could experience you for ourselves. God, would you help us as we try to read the scriptures, as we, as we set up a discipline, a, a habit, a routine of reading the Bible? Would you help us to find ways that we can actually understand it and apply it to our lives? But God, would you actually help us to do it? Would you help us to know that it's more than just knowledge? It's meant to be something that impacts our life and really can transform our life. So God, for the people who need transformation in their life and they're looking for it, they're looking for it in a lot of different ways, God, would you help them to see the ways that they could apply the scriptures to their life? And God, would you give them the power to actually do it? And God, would you transform and change their life in the way that they want, but also in the way that you want. And God, we look to you to do that because we can't do that on our own. We've tried and it doesn't work or it doesn't last or it doesn't really change things. So God, we look to you. Would you please transform us and change us? Would you help us to do what you've asked us to do? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.